Welcome to Peaceful Power Conversations. Peaceful Power Project is a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health and well-being. And I am so excited to have on as a guest today, Amy Evade. Um, Amy and I met through podcast, which is my favorite thing. <laughs> um, at maybe my first like genuine connection and friendship through the podcast, not just, I, I don't even know if people actually meet on social media. I have a few friends from it mostly. Yeah, just, sometimes. <laughs> but but this, this was a person, it was really amazing. Um, Amy and I are both could I say fans or we, we love Erica, Sarah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and I had her on this podcast and that was uh, the, the door that opened to uh, getting to know Amy and uh, how lucky I feel for that. And even more lucky that Amy is here today uh, to share, to share, to share her story. um, And, um, I'm actually really excited to learn to learn more and to hear about your story. And it is October, unless you're in the future, which I also love about podcasts. <laughs> what day is today? <laughs> Happy Monday, but you're listening to this on like Friday or, or it's in the future. But October is designated Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so I'll actually have, you, you are the first of uh, a handful of guests that I'm having uh, to focus on that and very much mm. in the scope of mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, health and well-being and and all of that. I will start with uh, Amy's written bio. This is a new thing that I've been doing. I used to just have it super off the cuff, like, hey, who are you? What do you do? Let's, <laughs> let's tell the listeners, which you'll also have an opportunity to do, Amy. But um, I feel when we write these bios, they have a certain intention. We've, we've contemplated, we've picked these words on purpose. So I'm going to read <laughs> you your bio and read the listeners your bio. So Amy Evade is a clinical psychologist in private practice, specializing in trauma, grief, and eating disorders. She is a writer, runner, yogi, and cancer survivor. Amy strongly believes in the body-mind connection as a focus of healing and empowerment, both in her professional world as well as personal life. She is a mom of two boys, boy mom, (laughs) and (laughs) resides in Northern Virginia with her family and therapy dog, Cairo. How does it feel to hear your bio? It's interesting. I like what you said that like we pick our words. Because I did, I had to think about like, which order do I put things in? Like, do I start with the mom? Do I start with the therapist? Like, do I start with the yogi? Like, oh yeah, I want to mention Cairo. He's with me in my office. He's a therapy dog. He's with me every day. So like how you like, like conceptualize yourself. I, I like that idea. I'm going to use that now in my head. Awesome. I love it too. And and I love to learn like what people, again, I love even you noticing the order, the order of identity, mm-hmm. right? Um so, so with that, and just so, so how, how would you describe you as if like, we met, <laughs> like, we just met like, oh, what do you do? Like, what are you, you know, what are you about? 
Um, how would you do a bio that way, like organically or off the cuff? I would, I think, start with that I'm a mom of two boys, right? Because that's like the majority of my life is is being a mom of an 11 and a 13-year-old. I'm like in the thoroughs of adolescence or at least the start, right? So I would start there. And you know what? I'm thinking, I noticed, again, like the order out of all those things, like I'm a yogi, da, 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 I said, I'm a cancer survivor, but that was last, which I think is important, right? Because that's not my full identity anymore. And I think it's been 18 years, I think probably the first year or even the second, or maybe even the first five years, I would have started with, I'm a cancer survivor. Like that would have been the very first thing I start with. But I just, I just realized it's at the end now. Yeah. I think that it's, yeah, it's there, but it's not the, it's not the first thing about me anymore, which is the most important part. You, you find your way on the other side and you, and you live and it's not all you are anymore. And was there a point where that would be kind of what you would lead with? Yes, for sure. Not just because you know, I can get into it later, but not just because I was bald, right? I would, I would, I would say it then, but I think it was because the pre and the post me felt so different of like me before cancer and then me after cancer that I think I just felt like I was going to wear it, you know, on my chest, no matter what, pardon the pun, right? It was breast cancer. Um, that I had to say, I'm Amy Abade and I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor. It's like, I think almost a way of practicing that this was even part of me for a long time because it was so surreal. And then also trying to find the power and I'm going to say I'm a cancer survivor before you find out or before you wonder, or before you think there's anything about me that seems different, I'll just own it. So I'm going to wear all pink in October and I'm going to wear a hat with a ribbon on it and I'm going to fundraise and this is who I am. But I think along the way, that, that just started to become quieter and quieter. I respect that part of me and I totally honor it, but it's not all me anymore. Beautiful. And I love how you've alluded to kind of that transition where it was like owning that identity, but I would love, and especially because this is part of your story that I don't know, I would love to time travel um, mm -hmm. back to prior to that, um, almost back to... Um, like you're the, the first um, the day, the, the beginning. <laughs> yeah. The, the day. beginning of the beginning. Yes. So I was 28 and I had been married for 10 weeks. I got married on June 4th, 2005. And on August 19th, I was getting ready to go to the grocery store and my best friend called and she had just gotten back from a big summer trip to Greece. And I knew she wanted to talk. So I was like, all right, forget the grocery store. Let me go. Let me go sit down and, and talk. And I was scratching my arm and kind of scratched the side of my right breast while I was talking to her. And I instantly felt it. There was a lump and I was like, okay. And I'm, and during this, I'm just talking to my friend Antonia and trying to be normal, trying to sound normal. She's talking about her trip and I'm giving myself a breast exam. I'm talking and noticing that on the right side, there's a lump and there's nothing on the left side. So right there, there's a difference. Um, I didn't tell her, I think I was, I was just kind of like, trying to piece it all together. And then my husband came home from work and I told him immediately. And then it was a weekend, right? It was a Friday. And so I had to spend three days kind of stuck in all this. And so I would, I would feel it constantly. I'd ask my husband to feel it. We both would be like, oh, it's just, it's probably just a cyst. Is it movable? We're Googling, we're on WebMD. No, it's definitely a cyst. It feels like it's moving. Wait, nope. It's only moving when I move my arm. Okay. What does that mean? Okay. It feels hard. No, it feels soft. And you know, by the end of the weekend, it hurt because we had touched it so much. Um, I told my parents and then I had to kind of like mask and get through the rest of the weekend. It happened to be 
my husband's 10 year high school reunion. And so we went to this big picnic and I would meet all these people he went to high school with. And in my head, I'm screaming, I have a lump, I have a lump, I have a lump. I know I have breast cancer. I think our bodies tell us before we're ready to hear it. And my, I, it was just in my head constantly. I had breast cancer, I had breast cancer. And then I would meet one of his friends and be like, oh yeah, maybe we've been married 10 weeks. Everything's great. Oh my God, oh my God, I have a, I have a lump, I have a lump. It was so surreal, just that piece. Um, I think that, like I said, because I knew what it was in the, in the depths of everything, I fought really hard to be seen by a doctor. And it was hard because you have to kind of be your medical advocate. I had no cancer history at all. Nobody in my family had cancer, let alone breast cancer. So when I went to my primary that Monday, she was kind of like, okay, let's watch it. Let's watch it and see. And I was like, no, we can't. I know, I know what this is. And she was like, it's, it's fine. It's just probably a cyst. These things happen. You're only 28. You have no risk factor. And I fought and fought and fought that entire day. And the next day. And then finally, I saw a breast surgeon who kind of said, well, I don't think it's anything, but you're so out of control and you're so hysterical. Let's just get you a mammogram for peace of mind. And I was said, okay. And we went to get a mammogram and they said, we're not, we're not going to give you a mammogram. You're only 28. You have no risk factors, sweetie. Calm down. Everything's fine. And I wouldn't stop. I was demanding and I said, I'll pay out of pocket. I'll do anything. I want a mammogram. And so the nurse ended up giving an ultrasound. And I saw it in that moment, her face all of a sudden changed. And she said, huh, let's, let's do that mammogram and see what we see. And I knew it was, it was that confirmation. And, and then it's like a scene from a movie, right? I had the mammogram and then she said, let's sit down in a room. Does your husband work nearby? And I said, just say it. And she said, I'm not going to say anything until we get the radiologist. I called my poor, sweet 27 year old husband who's only been married for 10 weeks. And he came and met me at the radiologist and the radiologist came out and said, but we already knew, right. Which was, I think this is breast cancer. We're going to be happy if we're wrong. And after that, it just went really fast. I ended up with a biopsy the next day. My dad's a doctor. So we were able to get the results back really fast. I went and got seen for the lump that Monday and that Friday I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 28. And again, from there, I'm, I'm kind of an action person. I, I don't sit still. I get things going. So I instantly was on the phone with the insurance company and we were finding a surgeon and an oncologist and getting surgery scheduled and genetic testing and on and on and on. Um, they were really surprised. I didn't have any of the genes. I was really just kind of a random case. Um, I ended up having a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. The second I found that lump, I was take them, take, take both my breasts. They're now, they're, they're now casualties of this war and I'm going to fight it full on and take them. I don't want them. So I had surgery and I had reconstruction. And after surgery, I was told I actually had stage three breast cancer. I had seven positive nodes out of 24 removed. And, and my breast surgeon was very clear. She said, if, if, you had waited a month or so, we would be talking a different story right now. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. And that's like one of the first like reactions I had. And I was trying to do the math while also being really present and engaged in your story is like, what was it 18 years ago? Like how, I was like, what year, what year was that? What year was that? 2005. Okay. And the fact that it took so much advocacy and using so much of number one, your voice, but even before your voice, your intuition 
mm-hmm. right? And you're like, it's strange to say the word confidence, but it was just from intuition to mm-hmm. believing in your, to, so to trusting that intuition, having that confidence, and then to having to be like extremely vocal. And why I was doing the math, I was like, was this like the fifties? Like, why right. did you, why did you have to advocate so hard? Why was it treated in this like passive wait and see mentality? Yeah. And I want to, I do want to say deep in the story, but I'm curious, do you feel like, have you heard just being, you know, here and now, do you feel like it's different now? I think it's different. And I don't know why I do think, unfortunately, more and more younger women are getting diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't think from the people I know, I don't hear the fight as hard to get seen. Um, I remember the nurse at the radiologist saying, stop, stop asking for a mammogram. We really don't want to radiate those young breasts of yours because you're going to want to breastfeed one day. And we don't want to do that to you. It's like, I don't care. Like, why are we having this conversation? It was it was a constant fight. And I really think I was seen as like hysterical. Like you found a bump and you need to calm down. You're so young. They just kept saying, you're so young. You don't have a risk factor. And I think, you know, 18 years later, I think they know so much more about breast cancer to know that that's not really a factor anymore. A risk factor of it running through your family or having BRCA or, you know, whatever, isn't necessarily the reason why someone gets breast cancer anymore, they're still learning so much about it. And I think now it's more, okay, I feel a lump. Let's be serious about this. Um, it was, it was really, really frustrating. It was, um, you know, I think the more I I kind of talk a lot sometimes to patients when, when we're talking about medical issues, I don't like that the more you seem hysterical, the more they'll take you seriously. It should have been enough for me to say, there's a lump in my breast. It doesn't feel right. I'd like a mammogram done. You know, I wasn't even asking for insurance to pay for it. You know, here's my credit card. Take it. I don't care what it costs. I want to know. But, you know, it makes it made me I had a lot of anger afterwards of I want to go back to that radiologist nurse and say, don't you ever treat young women like this again? Um, And the interesting thing is some of my friends actually, when I got diagnosed, went and asked their doctors for a mammogram because, you know, we were all kind of terrified about it because this was so crazy. And another friend of mine had the same reaction. The the primary provider saying, we're not going to radiate young breasts. We're not going to do that. We're not going to give you a mammogram. You don't have any risk factors. Um, I'm glad they know more, but I, I think every fiber of my being was screaming. You, you know, what is wrong with your body? This is cancer. And I, yeah. And I appreciate you hearing like the feeling associated was just anger about not Mm -hmm. being, not even just not feeling seen and heard, like really not being seen and heard. Yeah. I'm curious about the feeling of, I heard you say, even in this short part of your story, a couple of times, the, the no risk factors Mm -hmm. statement, what does not, yeah. What, what did that feel like to get this news in? And I also hear like, oh, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, What did that feel like? When I got actually diagnosed. And that there was nothing really to, yeah. So th- there was a lot of like flurry for lack of a better word when I was actually diagnosed because I, my family is Russian Polish descent and I'm Jewish and Ashkenazi Jews tend to have the BRCA gene. It's kind of, it's more in our history. And so there was a lot of kind of, of course you have the gene, you have the breast cancer gene, I'm sure of it. And so they rushed genetic testing for me because they were pretty clear that I was going to have it. And then I didn't have it. 
And weirdly enough, I actually got retested a full genetic panel in 2018 and I still don't have anything. There's literally no risk factor of she has a predisposition for breast cancer. Um, and I remember sitting in my, I had an amazing breast cancer surgeon, um, Shano Willie. She's in Fairfax. And she, I remember sitting with her and saying, am I your youngest patient? And she said, no, I have someone younger than you. And I said, why did this happen to me? And I started, you know, did I do this? Do I do that? Is it because I was on birth control? And she said, I, I can say one thing to you and I'm really sorry, but shit happens. I mean, that's, and even now when I talk to my oncologist and that kind of floats in the air of why did this happen? She's like, you were just a fluke. It just happened. But oh my God, it happened. I was stage three. It wasn't even like a little happen. It was a really big happen. Yeah, no, I think that I appreciate this person saying this to you because the mm -hmm. why me seems like it would be my initial like outcry. Because mm -hmm. uh, you need a reason so that you can never do that reason again, right? Like you need the the source so that I can avoid the source. Because obviously as a survivor, it's still in the back of my head that this could come back. It's been 18 years, but that's never going to go away. Um, so if you know the source, then you'll avoid that. But there is, what if there's no source? What if this is just what happened? You know, yeah, that especially makes just nowadays with like, I'm a not a, you know, I'm not a smoker and right. I'm better than X percentage. And were you, so part of your bio is um, yoga and running. Where was this prior, um, during or post? I ran, I ran in college, like for fun and for exercise. Um, and I did yoga a lot through grad school again as exercise, like not with any meaning of like yoga is for this, it, for, for, you know, connecting to your body or breath or anything like that. It was like, this is a good workout and, you know, I'm going to get this done in 45 minutes and be on my way. And maybe I'll pay attention during Shavasana and maybe I'll just lay there and kind of think about what I need to get at the grocery store. It never was a real part of it. I was, I was active, but I wasn't. I, I feel like it's wrong to say doing it for the right reasons, but it was just different. It, it meant something different. It was solely exercise at the gym and let's move on. I still love that though. <laughs> I mean, that's still a really young age to be yeah. introduced to yoga. So whatever the case, like whatever exactly. the, the reason, um, you know, what is it working inside out or outside mm -hmm. in? it'll get you no matter what. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was just like, I like this and I think I like the music and this woman's really nice. And yeah, I'm going to go to yoga three days a week. Done. Right. Um, before I get to how the yoga and running, because I did want to place it, um, whether yeah. it had been something that was part of your life, whether it had like that deep intention or connection or not. Um, but before that you had mentioned the, I'm having the surgery, I'm wearing pink, I'm raising money. I'm like, mm -hmm going to do this to my, I don't know. What is your sign? I'm just curious. Oh, I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. You're fire. Like I'm an yeah, Aries. We burn hard. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm super proactive as well. And yeah. I could, I could feel that when you were saying it, um, during that enthusiasm, mm -hmm. um, what else was also beneath the surface? Because clearly there's something the other side of the fire. <laughs> like oh the... yeah. And enthusiasm is such a good word. You know, I remember my mom's kind of, my mom unfortunately died in 2018, but during, during my whole experience with cancer, she, she would say things like, we're not going to worry yet until it's time to worry. 
And it was kind of like, now, now, now can we worry? But she, I kind of followed her lead and I'm grateful for it. And enthusiasm is the right word. She would say things like, you have a really hard day at, you know, you have an appointment with your oncologist. We're going to go to lunch afterwards. And I was terrified to lose my hair, completely terrified to lose my hair. But before one strand fell out, I had a head shaving party where my husband and my brother and 10 of their friends shaved their heads with me and then shaved my head because we're going to get ahead of it. We're going to control it. And we're going to have a pink party to announce that I have cancer. And when on the last day of chemo, we're going to have all my friends at my parents' beach house, and we're going to celebrate that chemo's over. And I'm going to be the happiest, perkiest, most energetic chemo patient on Thursdays for my infusion that they've ever seen. And that's how I lived treatment. And then treatment ended and I crashed. And everybody else crashed around me. I think that the enthusiasm and the kind of like, we're so positive, we've got this high-fiving is how my army, as we called ourselves, worked to get through the hardest parts. I did chemo um, every other week for eight weeks. I did radiation. And then I ended up doing tamoxifen, which is kind of post-cancer medication. Um, and I think we had to go at that full force and like and burn that hard. And then I remember we went out to dinner on my year anniversary. It was my parents and me and my husband and my brother. And we were all dressed up at this really fancy restaurant in Georgetown. And it was like a really kind of quiet dinner and it was a little tense and no one was really talking. And I remember we walked outside after dinner and I said, why were we not having fun at dinner? And my husband said, because we're not celebrating anything I want to remember. And I lost it and I started sobbing and I, my mom cried and hugged me. And it was kind of like, my mom and I talked about it a lot afterwards. We just kind of fell apart post-treatment because I think we were holding all that in for so long of like, just go, go, go. Let's like battle it. Let's, let's get rid of it. Let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. That once the fight was over, the enormity of what we had just went through kind of kicked us in the stomach. And that's when it was, the you know, the, on the other side of the fire, then it was, Oh my God, I could have died. What if I die? Can I still die? Oh my God, my body is different. Unfortunately, a lot of breast cancer chemo makes you gain weight. So my body felt just different. It felt bigger. You know, my breasts weren't mine. Like everything felt off and I really crashed just emotionally. I appreciate you sharing the crash part of it. I also appreciate though you sharing the dichotomy that it wasn't that you were all in false enthusiasm. You were doing what needed to be done to survive mm -hmm. the enormity of what was happening. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when, because I just, I relate to your, I guess, personality, maybe like I just relate to you. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that can be looked at as like, you know, we were just putting it on, but I loved the part of your reflection that, that sure, there was so much beneath the surface that wasn't coming out. But at the same time, that was what needed to happen to survive mm -hmm. the enormity of the situation. And no, and no other way, because I was only 28. It's not like I had like, I had a support group, you know, and I'm still in touch with some of the women, but you know, it wasn't, I was, a, I was weird. Like I, I wasn't, you know, with a bunch of people that I knew in my own circle that had gone through this. And the kind of joke was always that when I went to chemo, everyone was like 90 and I was like, you know, walking in 28, like high-fiving the nurses. And it just felt so weird. And I think about this a lot because I'm a therapist. I remember my therapist 
a, towards the year end mark of all that saying to me, you know, we never talked about, and I'd seen her all through the whole thing of treatment and cancer and diagnosis. I remember her saying, you know, we never talked about how scary this was or how you probably were scared you were going to die. And I, I'm so embarrassed, but I literally said to her, I think we're done with therapy. And I walked out and I ended therapy with her because I was like, we're not going to talk about this. Wait, to this day though? Yes. <laughs> you have to yeah, no, and then like, you know, with at least reached out with like a note card or something. Yeah. No, I literally ended therapy that day. Like, I'm not talking about this with you. We're not going to go there. And then obviously years later, I felt, you know, I went back to therapy and I, I it makes me laugh now to imagine that woman <laughs> like what I'd seen her for, through the entire thing. But the second she said, let's talk about how scary it is. I was like, no, I think we're done here. And thanks for your time and your help. But I'll be on my way now because we're done. I just remember saying, we're done. We're done. Um, I think I just wasn't ready to take all that on, but I was, I was exhausted emotionally. No, I completely, and I actually can think of someone <laughs> who may have ended a relationship with me for just that reason, <laughs> because it has to be in your own timing. Yeah. And so moving into the part of the journey, um, especially relating to your relationship with this body that no longer felt like your body anymore. Um, can you share more about that experience or that, mm -hmm. you know, the, again, that, that crash into, I would say, um, like connecting with reality, not reality, but no, with reality. Your, your new reality. No, it's totally what it is because I remember I, I've, I've thought about this a lot. I, you know, I had all these wedding pictures all over my apartment with my husband and I would look at pictures of myself and be like, who are you like, who is that woman in the, the wedding dress? And sometimes I would feel like I was looking at a stranger. And other times I remember looking at the pictures of me in my wedding dress and being like, Oh, like, you're so stupid. You have no idea what's about to happen or being angry at her innocence. Like you're so, you're so, you know, in, in the happiest moment of your life, you have no idea what's about to happen. Like, I just couldn't connect that that was me because post all this, I have scars. Um, I, I, like I said, I had gained a lot of weight through chemo just because you're hopped up on so many steroids. You don't have a choice, nor are you really interested in eating like, you know, good. You want comfort food after chemo. Um, and it just, I just didn't feel like myself. I felt like I had put on someone else's body and I would go for walks and kind of, you know, walk with friends or whatever, but it just, I just didn't feel like me. And, and there was a lot of um, disconnect and a lot of kind of disembodiment of literally feeling like this isn't my body. I don't know whose body this is, but it's not Amy Abade's, but she's also not that woman in the picture at her wedding. So like, who, where do I go? Um, and I remember I went to a yoga class at a new place, like a gym. And the guy who was teaching yoga walked in and he was like an older man. And it was a lot of Sanskrit and a lot of music. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but I'll give it a shot. And at the end, he did a lot of breath work and a lot of like connecting to your body, put your hands on your stomach, feel your breath rise, feel it empty, you know, put one hand on your heart, one hand on your stomach. There's a lot of Shavasana ing, which was never my jam. And I just laid there and then I burst in tears and just laid there crying and did it, had my hands on my stomach, the whole thing. And he must have seen because at the end of the class, he walked over and he had a really, really deep accent. He said, next week you come back, you keep healing. And oh. I was like, yes. Okay. Yeah, I will. 
got it. Like, I, I didn't know what was happening, but I knew that something had happened. Um, and he saw it and he knew that I was feeling, I mean, just broken and damaged and, and disconnected. And there was something in that moment that I think I started to grieve. I think I, I started to grieve the 28 year old that had been hit by breast cancer. I think I started to grieve that I'd lost all my innocence. And now I realized that like 28 year olds can get cancer and they can even almost die. And a lot of them do. And I think that that moment was when I started to heal. Yeah. It was the invitation um, into the feeling mm-hmm. that began the path to healing and, and, and connection and connection again. And through body embodiment and mm-hmm. through breath. Um, yeah. And so did you, did you go back? I did. I went back. <laughs> I went and that actually became, I remember it was Thursday nights and I, it became kind of my, my class. And then I eventually, it was at a gym. And then I eventually shifted to a yoga studio where I started to realize there's like a slowness in this. It's not just warrior two because your legs are so strong and this is good for my quads. It was more. I'm in warrior two and I can feel how strong my arms feel in space. I'm taking up space and I can feel my stomach breathing and I can feel the tightness in my chest because there's still scar tissue, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm stretching and I'm flowing and I'm breathing. I think all that enthusiasm and that kind of um, pink frenzy, as I think about it, I think I was holding my breath again, like you said, because I had to, you, you can't fall apart when you're like, in the trenches you gotta like keep yourself together um but I just I needed a lot of work grieving and and even even now 18 years later that grief pops up here and there it's always in the back of my head um there are moments along the way since since 2005 where you know all of a sudden something hurts and I'm like here we go oh my god oh my god and then I'm like wait nope nope your hip hurts because you ran your hip hurts not because you have cancer but because you ran but that took a long time to find safety again in my body and i hear safety in the body and in the mind like where mm-hmm. the thoughts will um unravel or leap to and um i love the breath as this like just remembering to breathe mm-hmm. anytime <laughs> any it's point. so basic and we forget it no, it's great. But at any point in the day, even like people listening to this podcast right now, mm-hmm. if you're super quiet and noticed where you're breathing from and just said, take a big breath in and a full breath out, like everything, everything. changes. It is transformative no matter where you are. The smallest, smallest thing. <laughs> it's so small, but it's like, it, it was so vital. Absolutely. And um, when you, so what else is going on in your world? Are you a therapist at this point? Are mm-hmm. you a mom yet? Where Not, are journey? So weirdly enough, the day that I had my mammogram was also the day I interviewed for a private practice, um, a group practice as a therapist. I literally went for my interview, my first big girl job as a psychologist, and then went and got a mammogram. So when I started chemo, I also was starting with brand new patients. And so very quickly, my patients saw me bald. And I didn't wear wigs, I wore scarves. And I would be very upfront in the beginning, like, hi, you know, my name's Dr. Abade. Um, if you're wondering why I'm wearing a scarf, I'm going through chemotherapy. I'm okay. At one point when we work together, I will have my hair back. 
and and no one really cared you know it wasn't the no one panicked and freaked out like I thought they would um I see some of them still some people I've, I worked with back then and I think that in a weird way started how I was as a therapist because I had to be a human not just Dr. Obeyed you know clinical psychologist I'm not just your therapist I'm also a human and this is a relationship and I I think that is kind of what defined who I was as a therapist and and who I still am um when I was done with everything, I was 29. I know that my husband and I started talking like, are we even going to be able to have kids? And we saw a fertility specialist who said, probably not. It doesn't look good. It looks like chemo really damaged your ovaries. I don't think you're going to be able to. He was wrong. But because he said that, my husband and I decided to adopt a baby. And we did. And he is, we, we adopted Eli. Um, in 2010, it was around the time of my five-year mark and my, <laughs> we adopted Eli in May, 2010. And then that June was our five-year anniversary. And then that August was my five-year mark of, of breast cancer, which is a big one. Um, and now, you know, I know that the reason I maybe had breast cancer, if there was a reason was because it led me to Eli. Cause I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have adopted him without, without breast cancer being part of our lives. So we adopted Eli and then after, after I'd kind of stayed on tamoxifen for a while, my doctor gave me the okay to try for a, one pregnancy, she said. And I, and I couldn't do anything fertility wise because the type of breast cancer I had was estrogen positive, which means estrogen kind of fueled it, um, kind of gave it its power. So I tried for a pregnancy and got pregnant with Austin. And Austin is named Austin because that's where, that was the location of the agency where we adopted Eli our adoption agency was in Austin, Texas. So, and, and I had a C-section with Austin and they used the scar for my breast reconstruction because I had, um, the type of breast reconstruction I had was, um, they recreated my breast taking stomach tissue. It's called the deep flap. And that's the incision they used for Austin, which I found really powerful. What a very powerful and what a beautiful web between like, both of your boys, mm-hmm. your body, your body, mm-hmm. um, motherhood. So I just, I don't know. That's the image that came to me. It was just this really beautiful web connecting. Mm-hmm. connecting it all, all, it all became the way it was supposed to. And, and I think becoming a mom with Eli was a huge part of all of a sudden that cancer survivor identity kind of taking a little bit of a position backwards because mom was, was all I wanted and all I needed. And, and that became the focus. And then I think being pregnant with Austin was also huge because I loved being pregnant. I loved it. I loved every part of it. I, I, I felt like a fertility goddess, like on a cloud. I loved it so much. I mean, labor, not so much. And and he was an unplanned C-section, but other than that, I think that's also a big part of healing was being pregnant with him. The interesting thing is after Austin, I kind of started going back through that thing of my body doesn't feel like mine. It just went through labor. Is this really my body? It just felt so different. And that's really when I fell in love with running. You, you did this. You did this segue. I was planning that, but no, that was a beautiful um segue as well to introduce that another um mutual passion and uh I I do want to pause with the my body is not mine which Mm -hmm. cancer and motherhood don't want to say had a similar vibe but that does (laughs) that energy um 
around that that disconnect and then also safety in your body as well um mm-hmm. building that like trust and connection so mm-hmm. how did running um kind of start that healing, <laughs> that right. healing yoga, was there anyone yoga, there after your first yeah. you know run postpartum like come back let's let's keep yeah. healing I mean, running, running became the way that I found all of it. Like yoga was for the breathing and the healing, right. And the connection, but running absolutely was the safety. Yoga was the connection. Running was the safety. They kind of piggybacked. Um, and I remember going to my very first run group at five 30 in the morning, thinking I was insane and meeting my friend KB, who said to me, leave, I'm not going to leave you behind, leave no mama behind is kind of my motto. And she stayed with me for the entire three miles. And I remember huffing and puffing and being like, oh my God, I'm so out of shape. Please leave me. And she was like, nope, I'm going to stay with you. And then I had to stay with her because I didn't know where I was and I had to get back to my car. But um, I realized that that was also a different type of healing because it helped me feel strong. And the movement forward, I'm, I'm very much a, in fight or flight, a fight person. I like, that's what got me diagnosed, right? As I went fight. And there was something about running and moving forward and having that space for myself that started to give the feeling of my body is not just mine again, but it's also, it can be safe. Like, look at it moving. Like it just moved three miles, four miles, five miles. And then, you know, running is such a slippery slope. All of a sudden I'm doing a half marathon and I ran my first marathon around the 10 year mark of being diagnosed because that was important. Um, I ran New York as my first one. And it was just the feeling of, of connection, but strength and, and I'm going forward, you know, in my head, it's that forward is a pace mantra all the time. And I still now, and I started it post-diagnosis with a walk, but now I run my, my years. I mean, I don't run 18 years. Now I run 1.8 because, you know, I'm not running 18 miles to celebrate (laughs) being cancer free. But before that I ran a mile, two miles, three miles, whatever my year was, um, and I've learned over the years, I used to run to really angry music and powerful bleh, kind of music. But as I've gotten past a lot of this and kind of found myself again, now I run to classical music or I try to pull a Sarah and run to my breath and, and, and try to stay mindful. Um, and that it's interesting. It's just more peaceful. I love the year celebrations because I running for me when people are like, what is running to you? I don't know all the posts that are and running to me. My answer is always a celebration, mm-hmm. it's a celebration of my body and my breath and you feel my heart beating, um, my lungs pumping, just everything that's available to mm-hmm. me is in action. Um, mm-hmm. as is my mind. Cause I say mm-hmm. this all of the time. If I, you know, wasn't present, I'd probably trip and fall on my face, which I did. <laughs> I did my last marathon like twice, but because I wasn't there, which is beautiful. Yeah. Like it's such a reminder, like come back here. Um, so it's such a celebration of the presence. So I love how you use it still to this day um, in honor and celebration of your um, of your experience and, and your date. And I remember that we messaged on that date. It was like 18 mm-hmm. is, it's, it is it's also, I'm, on April 18th birthday, but 18 is a really powerful number and um, it's life. And mm-hmm. uh, I loved that we connected on that day. So I mm-hmm. love to hear how running and um, also the forward is a pace. 
and not just, you know, physically that, you know, you can, even if you're walking backwards, you're still walking forward. Yeah, like, you're still I'm, moving. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're, um, so, you're so right to say, like, you feel your lungs pumping and your, and your blood moving and your muscles tightening or, you know, your sweat. And it, you can't tell yourself that your body's not alive in those moments, even if you tried. And so I think that's why running is, is my safety. It's, it's the biggest slap in the face that you're alive when you're, when you're feeling everything in your body on your, whatever mile you're on. And, and it's so cool because I'm a newer runner. I didn't start into my, uh, I didn't start running until my 40th year. And so in the beginning, I'd hear that people would run miles and I'm here like driving <laughs> miles. Like how many miles are we talking? <laughs> you know, it's like miles, <laughs> like not down the block. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I appreciate that, uh, that celebration and that, that presence and trust. And I love what you just said that like, nothing is denying life right now. Like this mm-hmm. is life in, in all of it, in like the worst weather and the best weather and all of mm-hmm. it, like you're still um, moving forward and, uh, forward being that pace. Mm -hmm. And that's physically, I wanted to revisit one thing that I think I went too quickly over, Mm -hmm. um, that still forward is a pace is mentally. So you said, Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'll remind myself that a sore hip is sore and it's Mm -hmm. not cancer or, you know, Mm -hmm. that's was the statement you use that, mind going into those unsafe places mm-hmm. what supported that journey and for you and where are you at now I know you're I mean you're just a beautiful writer you're also a beautiful like orator like a natural speaker mm-hmm. um, and so I'm wondering are words helpful um and then you do have your psychology background so just like that mental component of forward as a a pace mentally I think it's been, you know, weirdly enough, it felt scarier at times remembering that I had stage three cancer once I was a mom, because there's more to lose now, right? Like I have, I have two kids who depend on me and, and that sore hip can't be bad because I have to be here for them. And it almost felt so much scarier and bigger, but it's taken a lot to realize that when I feel scared oh my God, it means my cortisol is probably through the roof. My stress hormones are like on fire. Calm down and remember how you ground yourself. And and I like to tell myself anxiety is a liar. Like anxiety definitely tells you what you care about, right? Like I don't want to get cancer because I have a good life. But it's it's lying to me that that sore hip is bone cancer. It's lying to me that my headache is is something bad versus like the barometers changing. It's It's not true. And it's taken me time to just find quiet space of let me listen to what it's saying. Okay. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling a little extra raw. I'm definitely extra raw in August. I, you know, my diagnosis month is there. I definitely had all this kind of, you know, become even harder when my mom died of lung, she died of lung cancer. And again, no, no genetic history, no risk factor, wasn't a smoker, blah, blah, blah. And she had lung cancer and was dead four months later. And it kind of shook everything again to to realize, Oh my God, see bad things happen. You can just get cancer and die. I've lost my mother. How am I going to get through this? But I think it's just been so much respect and honor of grief that has made the fear kind of less powerful 
because I I think the fear was so big and the anxiety was so big when I was ignoring it. And to just, I have an amazing therapist now, just to like be able to sob hysterically about how scary that was or what I lost, or even, you know, there are days where I kind of miss my old boobs. Like it's okay to say that, or, you know, to say that I'm, I miss having my mom because she helped me so much through everything in my life. How can I be getting through all this without her? You know, if something bad happened to her, what if something bad happens to me with my kids? You know, there's so many scary thoughts, but I think the more I've honored the grief in all of this, of what I've lost, and not to say like that, you just stay like, oh, I've lost a lot, but to realize like you've, I've survived the best I can. And it is okay that there was sadness and all that. For some reason, allowing the quote unquote sad, bad feelings to happen has quieted the anxiety of, I don't know that your knees kind of hurt and it, it could be because you ran too much or it could be because you have cancer. Like, I think just allowing myself to feel has made that quieter, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's when I speak of like hearing the whispers, the whispers are the feelings, but if we're not listening to the feelings, it becomes screaming words like thoughts and scripts in your mind. So I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, if I'm not writing in my journal, if I'm telling my therapist, I don't really know what to talk about this week, then we're not, we're not okay. (laughs) Like we're trying to avoid and we're trying to not tap into feelings versus today's, you know, as in August, today was my 18th anniversary. I wish I could celebrate with my mom. I miss her. Oh my God, cancer's taken so much. I'm going to go for a long walk and I'm going to run my 1.8 and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to journal and I'm going to then just remember to breathe. And yeah, and that, that is it. And that's why sometimes when people don't have time (laughs) for journaling or mindfulness or even going like to see a therapist or a coach or a counselor, someone to speak it out or, you know, it, it just stays, it stays inside. It does break my heart because, uh, releasing and giving yourself permission. And I think that's such a beautiful, uh, that's what I hear and what I receive as a takeaway, just a really beautiful message to allow yourself to go through all of it. Mm -hmm. And, and there's no like way it has to look or way it has to be. Um, It's all in your own timing. I love in your story, like it was when, when you were ready. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate hearing that. And it, it does. I am I'm reflecting in different ways where I kind of put on the face. Um because it feel I don't know, it feels like that's the only way to get through, but at the same time, sometimes that, that can sometimes, but that can be questioned as well. And I'm really inspired by always since I've known you, <laughs> your bravery to speak the feelings and to speak the truth. And that's what I hear as part of your healing journey is just. You know, sometimes it's okay to say I'm broken and I'm also strong. Like I've learned, you know, it's like the duality, right? Like I, I can tell myself that I went through all this, but I don't have to be the poster board of, uh, you know, or the billboard of all things like breast cancer survivor. And my, you know, I'm so strong and brave. Like I can be terrified sometimes. And I think, I think that's also what helps is, is allowing all of it. 
Well, I'm really grateful for you. I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful for your friendship. Yeah, we were, we were destined to meet. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I'm like, wait, I would, I would do that too. Um, and I want to just invite you if there's anything else that you want to share, um, speaking to anyone who might be listening, resonating or relating to parts or, or all of your story. If there's anything you want to end this conversation with, I'll just give you a little bit of space. I think it's really, it's the bottom line is you have to know your body. It's okay to know your body. You know, it's okay to listen to your body. No one knows your body better than you do. So if something doesn't feel right or something feels off, then, then you have to advocate for yourself and, and you get to be heard and you get to be seen and you get to be taken seriously. Um, and I, I hope it's not a fight. It shouldn't be, but that, you know, you, no one knows your body better than you do. Um, you know, that's something I hold on to. I, I hold on to the piece that you, you can get through really horrific things and survive. You come out the other end. Maybe you're different a little bit, but it's not, it's not so bad. There's still you, it's still you, you know, um, it's, it's been, it's, it's, you know, the word journey, it's been a huge, it's just where all this went and all the things that were good and bad through it, which is why I like to put cancer survivor as the last thing now, because it's me, it's never going to not be me. Um, I'm still going to be a cancer survivor. I'm still going to scream from the rooftops to get a mammogram to everyone. I know I'm still going to remind people to get the screenings they need all those different things. But there is the reminder that, that no matter what you go through, whether it's cancer, infertility, or, you know, all these things that make your body feel damaged, you can find it again. You do. We, we heal. You just have to find the path to get there. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing those last words. Um, they hit me. Um, so I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you I who you. are listening <laughs> to this podcast right now. Um, please do. Uh, if you have any takeaways, reach out to us. We'll have um, how to find Amy and Sarah uh, <laughs> in the, you know, the show notes portion. And uh, if you had takeaways, please share, share this podcast with anyone you know who might need this kind of support. And it is extremely helpful if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I would be so grateful. <laughs> and with that, wishing everyone peace, power, and presence today. <laughs>